0: With this Spartan Profile on MSU Today, I'm Russ White. Michigan State University College of Social Science and School of Criminal Justice alumnus Carlos Cubia is Senior Vice President and Global Chief Diversity Officer for Walgreens Boots Alliance. The Pontiac, Michigan native followed his older brother and sister to MSU. Upon graduation, he applied for a position in the Secret Service, while waiting to hear back, he began a career in insurance, which gradually led him into human resources work. Without even realizing it, Cubia was beginning his work in diversity, equity, and inclusion before that work had a name.
1: Uh, upon graduation from Michigan State, I headed to Washington D.C. as I was applying for the U.S. Secret Service because I was a criminal justice social science major at Michigan State. So, always had a longing for. Um, Helping people, whether it was law enforcement, you know, had thoughts of being a lawyer, but always advocating and speaking on behalf of others and being that voice for the voiceless. So when I left, um, started my application with the Secret Service. Uh, obviously, if anyone knows anything about the federal government or law enforcement, it's a long, grueling process. Having to go through background checks. Uh, you know, polygraph tests and every other test with them talking to friends and families or places that you've ever lived. So while I was waiting on that process to unfold, I started working as a claims adjuster for uh, an insurance company, doing claims and then underwriting and then sales. Uh, Was constantly in contact with the Secret Service and at the time that was the Department of Treasury before they moved over to the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and was constantly in contact, it's moving, it's moving, things are looking good, uh, and along the way, uh, while I'm waiting for that, I got engaged, uh, got a promotion with the insurance company and became a, a supervisor, and was thought at that time making good money and thought, of, you know, uh, if this Secret Service thing comes through, I'm probably going to turn it down, uh, and after so long of waiting, I just kind of gave up on that and stayed the course with Corporate America uh, in claims financial services, and um, really just, um, you know, working in corporate America, looking to start over and, you know, make the decision to leave, to move away from law enforcement and into corporate America. But what I found along my journey is that I was running into people uh, in corporate America that were just having a hard time being heard, moving through the process and getting opportunities. Um, so probably, Three or four years after I left college, I started on this journey of how do I help people in corporate America to do better, to realize their dreams and to be seen and to be heard. Didn't officially do it, but was always advocating, speaking to supervisors, challenging the status quo, uh, sometimes getting myself in trouble because, you know, uh, at at that time, it, it wasn't kosher to speak up You were supposed to do what you were told and just be be a member of of corporate america and be a member of that society but that was never who i was so i was always challenging respectfully the status quo why were certain things the way they were why did so and so get passed over for an opportunity and um that eventually led to me and and i'm kind of fast forwarding here leaving myself an account management role and moving eventually into a de and i role Uh, I moved to California for a number of years um, when I was working in financial services. Uh, From there, I went to Pennsylvania, from there to Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, and then up to New Jersey, all working with the same company, getting promoted with higher levels of responsibilities, higher level of authority, but continuing, and I was vice president of sales at the time, but continuing through that journey, I was always fighting for other people. And folks had said to me, why don't you be... Moving to HR. Never had an interest in HR, but I did have an interest in advocating and being uh, an advocate for others. So when I was working in Detroit, I was working in the Detroit Municipal Department uh, for a financial services company, and we were selling 401k plans. And in selling those plans, I had four of the uh, high achieving, very dynamic sales reps, but there were four white gentlemen, four white individuals that had graduated, two from University of Michigan, two from Michigan State, and they worked for me golfing buddies. We did everything together. Great guys. But for whatever reason, they couldn't penetrate the Detroit market because if you know anything about inner city Detroit, at that time, the police department was probably 80% African-American. The fire department, it was it was predominantly um, African-American and Latino workforce. And these individuals had a hard time connecting. And it wasn't because they weren't good sales reps. It was because they really didn't identify or could connect with the market that we were trying to do business with. So I petitioned to my leadership in Hartford, Connecticut at the time to let me start a diversity training program. And I don't even know if we call it diversity, but a, a mentorship program where we brought on some minority reps to pair with the four white sales reps so that they can go in there and work together uh, and try to connect with this market. So to shorten the story a little bit, what we did is we went from 65% production to 113% of productivity uh, in a year and a half time after we implemented this program. We diversified the team. That was the first thing that we did. The second thing that we did is we took off those Brooks Brothers suits and put on golf shirts uh, and khakis so that we were approachable and we weren't. You know, because if you know anything about the financial services market, we're always buttoned up, suit and tie whenever we go in to do a presentation. But we changed the dress code to be more casual. And then the third thing that we did was created flexible work schedules, because when the police department opens, it never closes. They work 24 hours. So if you if the police and the fire departments work the night shift or weekends, we miss them with our nine to five schedules. So we created a diverse team. We created a casual work environment and we created back then, and this was their uh, early 90s, we created a flexible work schedule. And those are three of the main pillars that people still fight for for DEI today. Uh, and we were doing it back then because it was sound business practice, not because we were calling it diversity, equity, and inclusion, but we wanted to create an environment where people could become more engaged more uh, productive uh, and that can have flexible work schedules where that they can do their their jobs and be their best selves. And we created that back in the night. I shouldn't say we created we implemented that myself and my team. And that led me to know that when you challenge the status quo and when you do things differently, you get better business results. You get a more engaged workforce. Uh, And I saw the satisfaction from the workers. I saw the satisfaction from the clients that we were doing business with. And I saw the satisfaction from those minority reps that we introduced to careers that they had no idea uh, was a possibility for them moving into financial services. A number of those individuals that I brought on board back then are probably multimillionaires today, still in that same business. They have their own business today. And when I see them and talk to them, they always credit the fact that we gave them a chance to do something different and took a chance on them. And I think that's probably where I really officially said this is the kind of work that I want to do.
0: Most of us have heard of Walgreens. What is Walgreens Boots Alliance, Carlos? So most people are familiar with
1: our our corner pharmacies Uh, in the United States. You know, Walgreens Boots Alliance has almost 9,500 stores in the U.S. We are a pharmacy and a a pharmacy retailer uh, that does business in communities across the U.S., Uh, we believe in, in helping people leave, lead healthier, happier lives. And we do that through, uh, connections with our pharmacists and providing other health services, providing those essential, uh, items that people need, you know, in in the moment, you know, it's late at night and you need to run to the store to pick up some milk and some basics, you know, uh, household products. They're available at Walgreens, but we're more than that. Walgreens Boots Alliance is uh, organization that is in 20 plus countries. We have over 440,000 employees across the globe, uh, and we are a health retailer, I mean, a health def- care destination for individuals to come in that want to take care of their health, to see uh, a pharmacist, and to get basic services. Uh, I've been with the company just uh around four years and have had the opportunity to travel extensively with the organization, meeting people across the globe. And all people want, whether they're working with us or whether their are customers coming into our store, is to be treated with dignity and respect uh, and to make sure that their voice matters and that we care about the community that we do business. And I can honestly say that in the four years that I've been with the company, they have exemplified those values uh, and really pushed hard to make sure that people feel like they belong when they come into our stores. We don't get it right every time, but that is our goal and that is our mission, and those are the things that we uh, constantly work towards every day.
0: When defining diversity, equity, and inclusion, Cubia says the key is to embrace our differences. He says there's value in embracing those differences. His twist on the golden rule is that we should treat others as they want to be treated, not necessarily how we want to be treated.
1: Well, when I think of diversity, I think of someone different than, than yourself. You know, I know people sometimes uh, equated to, you know, black versus white. When I think of diversity, I look at all the dimensions of diversity: it's the things you are born with, and then the things you acquire later in life, like your education, the knowledge, habits that you pick up along the way. The way we think about diversity at Walgreens Boots Alliance is, you know, again, all of those dimensions, the, the innate and the acquired traits that you pick up over, over time. Uh, We do measure some of the basic things around race, gender, sexual orientation, uh, LGBTQ, veterans, disability. We, We pay attention to all of that. But again, we also look at education. Where were you educated? What's your background? What experiences have you had in life? Because all of those things help to make organizations and really the world better when you embrace and accept people for their differences and then understand that there's value in differences. And by realizing that, I think we could just make this world a better place and not to sound hokey with that but when you accept people for who they are and treat them not the way you want to be treated but treat them the way they want to be treated then i think you have a more engaged and a more productive society
0: carlos can you highlight some of your de and i initiatives and talk about the issues the initiatives seek to deal with so so some of the highlights some of the things
1: what you know when we look at corporate america and, and there's still a gender gap in corporate america whether it's a pay gap or just women uh, in leadership roles. So one of the things that we're working on at Walgreen Boots Alliance is how do we um, you know, create more opportunities for women in leadership positions. So we have set goals and we have um, initiatives for the organization across our entire enterprise to really increase women in leadership positions. And we're doing that by a number of, of different ways. One is uh, mandating interview panels uh, that they're diverse Mandating diverse candidate slates, so even before we start the hiring process, if the slates are not diverse, then we send our recruiters and our sourcers out to to bring in well highly qualified uh, individuals to be a part of those slates. So that when we are assessing this talent, everyone's on an equal playing field, uh, and we're giving opportunities. We're also doing that same thing with people of color in the United States uh, to make sure that they're given opportunities and not overlooked, and that the biases don't come in to you know into the decision making process. So you know those are two areas, gender uh, 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 and race. Next year, one of the things that we're going to be looking at doing is instead of lumping everyone into the people of color basket, we're going to be disaggregating that data and looking at specific ethnic groups like African-American, Latino, Asian-Americans and starting to track each of those categories separately because when we lump it all together, the numbers can be skewed. There may be one group that's skewing the results. Other areas that we're working on is is, uh, LGBTQ equality in the workplace. We're looking to increase disability hiring within our organization, our supplier diversity program, where we're looking to give back and to do more business with diverse vendors and suppliers in the community. And again, giving back to those individuals that come into our stores and do business every day. So those are just a few of the things that we're doing. I mean, we have uh, employee-centric initiatives where we're looking at our benefits uh, we constantly look at our benefits to make sure that they're competitive and best in class. Our holiday schedule, as we look at right now, uh, you know, a lot of companies have made moves around adding new holidays or company paid holidays. and We constantly look at that. So there are a number of things that we're doing and constantly looking at other areas to drive equity within the workplace.
0: Carlos Cubia says DE&I work continues to evolve as more organizations realize that embracing diversity, equity and inclusion is not only the right thing to do, but is sound business practice. He says that if organizations are doing DE&I correctly, that it impacts every aspect of the business and is embedded in everything an organization does.
1: Yeah, and that's a great question, and thank you for asking that. When I think about the evolution of DE&I and just the role of the Chief Diversity Officer, uh, over time, I've seen it really uh, change. Back in the day it was all about diversifying from an ethnicity standpoint. You know, we, we have so many Caucasians in the workplace and we wanna get other ethnicities into the workplace. So it was a people agenda back then. What's evolved over time is now it's a business imperative. Most CEOs and most Fortune 500 companies realize the value of having a, diverse, um, stra- a diversity strategy for the organization that touches every aspect of the business whether that's how they market, how they communicate, where they recruit, where they open or close locations, what products are on the shelves. The DE&I team or the DE&I leaders across most companies are now part of all of those discussions. We're being brought into discussions with investor relations now when, when investors are out there looking at what public company they want to invest in, They want to talk to the chief diversity officer, say, tell me about your uh, diversity, equity and inclusion program. What are you guys doing to address A, B and C? And then what kind of progress are you making? So uh, the evolution has been uh, amazing. Uh, It's been fast paced. Uh, It's hard to keep up because our phone is now ringing from every part of the organization asking for time with us to help consult about an issue that may Evolve around DEI that maybe that leader isn't that well versed on. Uh, we're being asked to be part of the training program within organizations, how we shape culture within the organization. If you're doing it the right way, then DEI is embedded in everything that a corporation or an organization or an institution like Michigan State does. You know, when I think about um, some of my practitioner buddies that are in academia. They look at how the students see the university, uh, the faculty, the makeup of the faculty, what programs you have, what curriculum you have. So DEI touches everything. I mean, I don't think there's anything in corporate America or in any major institution that DEI doesn't touch or shouldn't touch.
0: When discussing challenges, opportunities, and goals for expanding DEI work, Cubia talks about reaching people through the head and the heart. And he says, for him, D, E, and I comes down to two words:
1: dignity and respect. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, there, so I'll start with the challenges first. The challenges is that there's still a contingency of individuals out there that feel that this is social work and it has no place in business or in in, in decision making. Uh, so, one of the challenges is getting to those individuals and, and sharing with them factual data, showing them research where if you have a real strategy that's comprehensive in nature, that it does contribute to the bottom line and the success of your organization, regardless of what your organization is. It's winning over the naysayers because they still exist. But then I guess that's just a part of of life, right? You know, Everyone's not going to always be on board with everything, but you want to be able to give people the information and the education that they need so that they can make an informed decision. We always say in this business, we get to people either through their head or through their heart. The head is through data, facts, and figures. The hard is because they think it's the right thing to do. They know it's the right thing to do. So they jump on board. However you get there, I don't really care as long as you get there. Um, but those are some of the, the, the challenges. Um, opportunities and things that we measure. We, 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 you know, there are a number of outcomes. We, we, we measure, are we improving in some of those categories that I mentioned earlier? Women in leadership, people of color. Are we creating more awareness about, you know, differences that exist within the workplace and in the world? And are we giving people tools and knowledge and training so that they can understand how to accept people for who they are and how to work with that. Uh, Part of it is holding up the mirror and understanding who you are and how you make your decisions and what motivates you, and then helping people to learn how to take their styles and their beliefs and to not impose it on others, but to accept and to compromise. You know, I said it earlier, and it's it's really only two main words, and that's dignity and respect. If, If you just follow that golden rule, treat everybody with dignity and respect, most of the times things are going to work out you know for you whether around DNI. It's when you start to overlook those things and put yourself ahead of everyone else, that's when we run into issues. Other outcomes we like to see is um, it may not even be numbers related. It's the culture of an organization of a neighborhood of a, of a university. What's the culture? Do people feel good about it? If you were to ask questions within the organization about would you, encourage people to apply to go to school here or to work for this organization? What's their answer? So part of it is how you make people feel in the culture you create. And that's hard to measure other than just talking to people. Others, you can measure through numbers and data that's on paper. The numbers may not always move as, as quickly as the environment, but if we can get the environment in the right place, the numbers will, will eventually fall into place.
0: For all of us, Cubia says the first step toward embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion is to educate oneself and not to turn the other cheek.
1: Well, you know, that's a great question. And, and when when George Floyd was murdered a year plus ago, um, and we started to see the the peaceful protests, and then unfortunately some of it, broken to civil unrest, a lot of white guys like yourself ask me the question, what do I do? And I think that's the first step is saying, you know, is educating yourself and getting information on how the experience of others have affected their lives and the challenges and the situations that we see today. So learning is one, asking questions, not being afraid to say, I don't know. But the other thing that I would say is not turning the other cheek. You know, just because it doesn't affect you directly doesn't mean it doesn't affect you indirectly. When these things happen, it affects all of us in some way, shape, or form, and the the sooner that we realize that if we come together and work together, uh, and again, I'm going to use that word again, and value the differences and understand each other's perspectives and point of views, I think what will end up happening is we'll start to see the world differently and understand other people's plights. Part of it is just education, you know, we just celebrated Juneteenth a couple of weeks ago, uh, and for some folks, that's the first time they ever heard of. It, right. They didn't even know that what had happened and it had existed. There was the situation where Black Wall Street was burned down 100 years ago. And for some, they would never heard of it until very recently. And so part of it is telling the story and understanding the past. Because if we understand the past, then hopefully we can take that information to prevent us from from committing some of the same mistakes uh, and repeating some of the ills that have plagued this country for so many years. Hiding it and overlooking it and pretending it doesn't exist is not going to get us there. And so back to your question, educating, admitting what you know and what you don't know, holding the mirror up to say, what have I done to contribute to this or what have I not done to help solve this problem? And then understanding privilege. People don't like to talk about privilege, but privilege is real and it exists. And what people have to understand is that we all have privilege regardless of who we are. But some of us have more privileges and different privileges than others that can help them to maybe go a little bit further based on privileges that they had nothing to do with.
0: Cubia followed his brother and sister to MSU. It's the only school he applied to and had any interest in attending.
1: When I was in high school, I struggled. I, I, you know, I, I have dyslexia, so I struggled in high school. And so when I left high school, um, my brother and sister were both at Michigan State University. Um, I was never intending to go to college. I was going to go to the military, which I did, and then try to just work because I didn't think I could get through school with my challenges. And I went up there to visit my brother and sister and got to meet the um, director of admissions and got introduced to a few folks. And we talked about accommodations and the things that I would need to get through Michigan State. And they was like, this is the school for you. And I applied, got accepted, and, um, that was it. The only school I applied to and the one I got into and so glad that that was the path that I chose.
0: And Cubia adds that as big as MSU is, it always seemed small to him. The university had so much to offer him and that he'd attend MSU again if he had to do it all over again.
1: Uh, So this is going to sound a little hokey, but, you know, I believe in full transparency. So I went up to Michigan State this past weekend with my son. uh, And as I got out of the car and stood in front of my dorm, I almost teared up. Because when I think about where I am today, had Michigan State not given me the chance and the opportunity to show what I could do with help, of course, I probably would not be where I am today. I have no idea where I would be today. Michigan State helped me because it gave me the services that I needed. It created an environment. I mean, at the time, if I remember the numbers correctly, we had 42,000 students at Michigan State and 2,200, the demographics were were people of color. So 2,200. And... There was the Office of Black Affairs that I worked with and was a part of and eventually became a director of programming for that that organization. And it was kind of uh, uh, an affinity group for African-American students to make sure that your experience was one where um, you had a good experience at Michigan State. Uh, And I did. I I was a leader on campus for my dorm, uh, which I think we had. I'm not going to cite a number because I'll probably get it wrong. But between Hubbard Hall and the two uh, dorms, uh, I was the student government president. I pledged a fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. I joined the wrestling team my freshman year. Uh, didn't last very long, but because I didn't want to go to the practice every day. But there were just so many things that Michigan State had to offer. And it, it, as big as it was, it felt small. And I felt connected. And I felt like, you know, despite some of the challenges that, uh, you know, uh, Michigan State had at the time and continue to have today. Uh, Michigan State believes that they want to create an environment where everyone is is welcome, where everyone can realize their full potential. Uh, And I see that Michigan State constantly strives for that. And and again, I believe in celebrating Michigan State because it's a great university and I recommend it. And I'm also looking at recommending for my son, but also hold them accountable for the areas where they fall short. But they acknowledge that and they want to move in the right direction to address those issues and those challenges. Uh, And I think that's what makes to me what makes michigan state great is the fact that you can celebrate and hold them accountable all at the same time but all in all if i had to choose again tomorrow i choose michigan state all over again
0: carlos cubia's advice for today's msu students is to be authentic and true to yourself
1: be true to yourself be be very authentic and, and 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 understand really what that means to be authentic because sometimes i think people use that out of context uh, authentic, being authentic doesn't mean not compromising or, or being flexible. It just means stay true to your value and your value system. Uh, I don't ever compromise my value system, but I compromise other things depending on the situation or, or the ultimate goal that I'm trying to achieve. And that's just being a good individual and a, and a good negotiator or a, a good collaborator, knowing how to flex and when to push and when to pull. But be, be true to yourself and, and follow your dream and not somebody else's dream. I had to learn that with my own kids because I want. You know, my daughter went into school you know, to be a business major and I got excited about that. And then later on, she decided she wanted to teach. And I tried to convince her to stay the business route, but she wasn't happy. And I saw how her trying to stay the business route made her unhappy, but made me happy. And I've had to back off and say, no, follow your dream, what you want to do and what's going to make you happy in life. And I think if you follow that simple rule, stay true to yourself, believe in yourself, and just realize that there's not much you can accomplish if you put your mind to it. And I know that sounds hokey, but it turns out for me, that works. You know, I don't walk around trying to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. I am who I am. When we talk about corny, I mean, I'm probably the most corny guy you're ever going to meet, but I don't care. It's who I am and that's got me to where I am in life and I'm comfortable with where I am. And so as I think about, you know, staying true to yourselves, I just, you know, think about this this age of social media and how it has done a number of things. And there's been a lot of good coming out of social media, but I think it has also allowed us to uh, put on some facades and not be our true selves. I would just encourage folks, and especially a lot of people coming up today, be who you are, be your true self, and don't hide and pretend to be something for someone else via social media. Because the hardest thing in life Is trying to be something for someone else, trying to be what somebody else wants us to be. The easiest thing in life is just being yourself, because that's truly who you are. So always be yourself, stay true to yourself, uh, and follow your own dreams, and uh, I think you'll be fine.
0: That's Michigan State University College of Social Science and School of Criminal Justice alumnus Carlos Cubia. Carlos is Senior Vice President and Global Chief Diversity Officer for Walgreens Boots Alliance. I'm Russ White with this Spartan profile for MSU Today.